Sermon 40 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Ye husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, to sanctify it, cleansing it with the washing of water through the word, to make it to himself a glorious church, without spot or wrinkle or anything else, but that it might be holy and unblameable. We have seen this morning how large matter of glorifying the infinite goodness of our God we have, if we consider by what means he hath drawn us from death, and taken us for his children, notwithstanding that we were cursed afore in Adam. And now St. Paul setteth forth how we be made partakers of the grace that is purchased for us by our Lord Jesus Christ, namely by being washed and cleansed from our spots, to the end to be dedicated to his service in all holiness. Also he addeth the washing of water, because baptism is a visible figure and record unto us, according to our rudeness and infirmity, to make us the better to perceive the grace of our God, which passeth all understanding of man. Now, first of all, there is the word sanctify, which importeth that we should be separated from the world, to be knit unto the Son of God. And this doctrine is such, as we can never know it enough, for, as I have said afore, we must always compare the state wherein God findeth us with the state whereto he calleth us. For from our mother's womb we be nothing but utter wretchedness, we be cursed and detestable before God. Therefore he draweth us out of the dungeon of death, from thence doth he gather us up to himself. And by the word sanctify, St. Paul meaneth the change which ought, as it were, to ravish and to astonish us, as oft as we consider what we were and what we should be still if God pitied us not. But let us come to the means that I spake of. He saith that our Lord Jesus Christ hath washed us. No doubt, but this is to be referred to his death and passion. For how could we appear before God, as it were, with our countenances upright, but that our sins are done away by the sacrifice that was offered to set us at one with God? Then, until we be washed and scoured clean by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, we be fouler before God than any leper. We be full of all manner of filth and infection, and to be short, all that we can bring shall but provoke God's wrath, and the virtues that men esteem greatest shall be but loathsomeness. Therefore we must embrace the sacrifice whereby our Lord Jesus Christ hath reconciled us to God his Father, and his blood must flow down upon our souls to cleanse us from our filthiness and spots. Nevertheless, it is not without cause that St. Paul sets down baptism here, not that we be made clean by that, neither was it his meaning to turn us aside from the death and passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, but forasmuch as we be dust and gross, and understand not the spiritual benefits so well as were requisite, therefore St. Paul, conforming himself to our rudeness and infirmity, hath showed us here our washing by a visible sign. That we may the better profit ourselves by this manner of speech, let us consider to what end baptism was ordained, and whereto it serveth. When our Lord Jesus Christ commanded us to be baptized in his name, meant he to turn away our faith from his bloodshed? Meant he that baptism should take the room of his death and passion to perform the office of our salvation? No, surely, for baptism is but on income and an appendant to the death and passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, and if it did not direct us thither, certainly it were but a trifling ceremony. As much is to be said of the Lord's Supper, 
when we come to receive the bread and wine, which are the pledges of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, although that in that supper we be truly fed with the meat and drink whereof mention is made in the sixth of St. John, that is to wit that our Lord Jesus Christ maketh us partakers of the truth of his own substance, to the end that his life should be common unto us, yet notwithstanding if the supper should be separated from the death and passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, it were a thing of nothing. And indeed we see also what the promise containeth. This is my body, saith he, which is given for you. True it is, that it showeth well what our ordinary food is, but therewithal he sendeth us also to his death and passion. For had he not made satisfaction for our sins, and shed his blood to wash away our spots, what should it boot us now to have baptism and his supper ministered and given unto us? We see then that to use baptism well and according to the institution of the Son of God, we must not set our minds upon the corruptible and transitory element. For what is the water? If it stand but one day, it will corrupt. And how then can it cleanse our souls forever and get us a pureness that shall continue after death, though we ourselves do turn to rottenness? If this power cannot be in the water, we must of necessity repair to the death and passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And indeed, the water also is a figure of his blood and of his Holy Spirit. Then let us mark that our Lord Jesus did then wash us when he shed his blood whereby he cleansed us. That is the means whereby we may resort unto God with full trust that we shall be received as righteous and perfect, because he layeth not our sins to our charge. Mark that for one point. Now, as St. Peter saith in his first epistle, we be washed with the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Ghost. We see then that we have the substance and truth of our salvation in the person of the Son of God. And moreover, we have to note also that he communicateth himself unto us, and thereby putteth us in possession and fruition of all his goods through the power of the Holy Ghost. And how happeneth it then that St. Paul hath made no mention here of the blood that cleanseth us, and of the working of the Holy Ghost? It seemeth that he hath forgotten the chief thing, and busieth himself with a thing that is very small. I have told you already that he meant not to abridge anything that belonged to the Son of God, that we should not seek the whole fullness of our salvation in him alone, and settle our faith alone upon him. Neither meant he to dispossess the Holy Ghost of his office, but he had respect of our infirmity, and that is the cause why he set down the sign whereby the thing that of itself is too high and too far hidden from our understanding is set before our eyes. That is the pith of the thing which we have to bear in mind. Now, of this declaration we may receive a very profitable lesson in general, that is to wit, that the true and lawful use of sacraments is to lead us directly to our Lord Jesus Christ, and that otherwise we make them but as idols. And therefore in popery baptism is but as a charm, because they think there is no salvation but in the water. I let pass the things that they have put to it of their own devising." for they have corrupted and marred the very institution of jesus christ by mingling baptism with the superstitions that are known of but let us put the case they used nothing else but the pure water yet is it devilish opinion that baptism is able of itself to save us for by that means our lord jesus christ is as good as thrust away so as they make none account of him for they stand pouring upon the visible sign and are as you would say utterly doted upon it in like case are they with all the rest of their ceremonies. So much the more, therefore, doth it stand us on hand to bear this lesson in mind, that to apply the sacraments to a right use, and to such use as God alloweth and ordaineth, they must guide us to our Lord Jesus Christ. Like as in baptism we see but the water, 
but thereby we must be lifted up higher to the blood of the Son of God, assuring ourselves that it is not the water that maketh us clean, but that it is only a warrant of the washing that was gotten for us when our Lord Jesus Christ was crucified for us. In the supper we have bread and wine. Now to hold ourselves to that which is set before our eyes were a withdrawing of ourselves from Jesus Christ. Our faith, therefore, must be lifted up and conveyed to him in whom all the parts of our salvation are enclosed. For as much, then, as we have the whole perfection and fullness of all good things in the only Son of God, it is thither that we must look up and labour to attain when the sacraments are set afore us. For that is the very office of them, or else we pervert all, and it is, as he would say, an unhallowing of the thing that God hath hallowed to our benefit, if our Lord Jesus Christ be separated from the visible signs." We have also to note that we communicate not with Jesus Christ, but by the grace of the Holy Ghost. Yet notwithstanding, let us not hold scorn of the helps that our Lord hath ordained for us, because he knew them to be requisite for our infirmity's sake. Why be we not taught simply that if we run to our Lord Jesus Christ, in him we shall find our washing and cleansing? It seemeth that that ought to suffice us, and that the water of baptism is but a veil to keep us from coming unto Jesus Christ. Yea, but let us see a little what our own rudeness is. If we had the minds of angels, we should no more need this outward baptism than the angels do. But forasmuch as we be earthly, and it is hard for us to attain unto God, and the secrets of his heavenly kingdom, it is for our behoof to be helped after that fashion. And it is a wonderful, gracious goodness of God, that he stoopeth so to our infirmity, and supplieth it with meat and convenient remedies." So little, then, doth baptism hinder us from coming to the Son of God, so we be able to apply it to our behoof, or keep our faith from aiming at him, that without it we should be held down still here, and waver continually as floating in water. But when we see how water is cast upon the child's head, there we ought to mind the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to consider that like as water washeth away the filth of the body, so the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ is the very cleansing of our souls." Now as touching the inworking of the Holy Ghost, we know it is likened to water, and that is because he maketh us partakers of the benefits that were purchased for us by our Lord Jesus Christ, and again because that by his grace and working we be renewed, and die unto the world, and all our own corruption is put away, to the intent we should come to the newness of life which is gotten for us by the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of this must we behold in baptism." And likewise the supper must serve us as a ladder to climb up to our Lord Jesus Christ, and to be thoroughly confirmed that he dwelleth in us, and that we be made one with him, so as he quickeneth us as the branches of a tree, which take their strength from the root, as the body of man, which draweth his strength from the head. And so the things that we have to mark upon this strain is that the sacraments do not turn us away from the trust which we ought to put wholly in our Lord Jesus Christ, nor make us to start aside one way or other, but that, being persuaded by them that Jesus Christ sufficeth, we find all our contination and rest in him, to the end also that all honour which belongeth to him be yielded unto him. For it is not for us to abridge him of that which his heavenly Father hath given us. Let that serve for one point." And that is also the cause why St. Paul saith, Having cleansed it, then yieldeth he the dignity of cleansing us to our Lord Jesus Christ. True it is that if he had not been appointed to be the mediator, he could not have done it, for it is a work altogether belonging to God. But forasmuch as he was sent to that end, and had that office committed unto him, therefore are we washed by him. 
And indeed, it is not only in his human nature that we be washed by his blood, but we must also bear in mind how the apostle in the epistle to the Hebrews saith that he suffered in spirit. How in spirit? That is to say, his death must not be considered of us as if a man died, but we must understand that he is in such wise the Son of God manifested in the flesh, as he hath uttered his everlasting power, and that when he was so abased and emptied, although there appeared nothing but curseness in his death, yet ought we to understand that he wrought in that behalf with a wonderful power, such as surmounteth all our understanding, and all that we can conceive." Ye see then that St. Paul hath very well confirmed the thing that I told you, that is to wit, that all our faith is but a wavering and vanishing opinion, until it be so grounded in our Lord Jesus Christ, as it rest wholly there, and neither swerve nor stagger one way nor other. For as soon as we go about to add one thing or other to our Lord Jesus Christ, surely he shaketh us off, as unworthy to have any part or portion of his benefits. Therefore we must leave him that which is his own, that is to wit, that he only cleanseth us, according also as it is of his mere grace that we have all righteousness before God. And St. Paul's speaking of baptism, as I said afore, is to the end that we, considering our own ability, should bend ourselves to the confirming of our faith by these means which are behoofful for us. For he that rejecteth baptism as superfluous doth well beray that he knoweth not himself, insomuch that when we have well examined what is in us, it is certain that even the perfected shall find themselves inclined to unbelief, and to so many doubtings as he would marvel. They shall see themselves feeble and weak, and subject to infinite temptations. So then it must needs be that a man is too much blinded in pride, when he thinketh that baptism can stand him in no stead, Considering, therefore, what need we have to be drawn to God by certain degrees, let us make account of baptism and of the Holy Supper, and let them always be means to guide us unto Jesus Christ. Again, it is not without cause that St. Paul matcheth the word and the washing of water together, for, as I have touched afore, to be so drawn away by visible things, that instead of flying up aloft, we be held down below is too common a vice, and so deeply rooted in us, as it is very hard to be plucked up. God, pitying man's weakness, hath at all times, as you would say, come down unto them, not by changing his place, for his being is infinite, and his majesty filleth both heaven and earth, but by making himself familiar unto them, as if he were conversant with them. And for that cause did he term his temple his house, his dwelling-place, and his rest, and said that he dwelt between the cherubims. Howbeit that was not to harden the people in their superstitions. To what end, then? He meant to draw them to him by little and little, which were unable to come to him at the first dash. For where are the wings that we should fly above the clouds withal? But our faith must fly up above the heavens." So then God meant to relieve men's infirmities by ceremony, sacraments, and such other things. But the vice on the contrary part hath showed itself too much, that is to wit, that men have taken occasion to hold themselves down and to entangle themselves in ceremonies, and whereas they should have lifted them up, they have abused them by turning them to the clean contrary. And that is the cause also why the prophets were continually occupied in rebuking the Jews, for that they thought that God had dwelt in the material temple. How now, saith Isaiah, hath not the Lord made all these things? 
Hath he not created both the stones and the wood? And will you shut him up within them? Doth he not fill all the heavens, and the earth is not able to contain him, and yet notwithstanding ye would lock him up in some cabin of your own building? Whereby he showeth that it is too gross a folly for men to snarl themselves after that sort invisible figures, ceremonies, and sacraments, and to dwell upon them, whereas they should be led unto God. Now forasmuch as this hath reigned in all ages, St. Paul, to redress it, saith that we have our washing warranted in baptism under the figure of water. Yea, but yet we must have an eye to the word, saith he, for if there were no teaching to show us that we find the things in our Lord Jesus Christ which are represented to us in baptism, and that it is in his person that we have the full performance and assuredness of them, certainly baptism would turn us away from god and it were better to have none at all for it were an evil thing if we should be withdrawn from the son of god to give ourselves to the corruptible world therefore let us be well aware that we separate not the sacraments from the word at any time and hereby we see what christianity there is in a number of folk for all is well with them if they be baptized neither consider they that the having of the sign without the promise added to it is but a deceivable and unprofitable thing. Whereto serveth a seal when it is set but to a piece of leather, or to bear parchment, paper, or cloth? Surely it were to no purpose, for it ought to confirm and ratify some evidence, whether it be of gift or otherwise. So is it with the sacraments, when they be not matched with the word. A man shall see a seal there, howbeit to no purpose, for he shall have no benefit come of it. And surely they that continue still doted in their ignorance, because they were baptized as soon as they came into the world, do show therein too lewd and unthankfulness, for they falsify God's truth as much as they can. If a man should counterfeit a seal, it were felony, though it were but in a case of five shillings. But they that are so drowned in their ignorance as they cannot abide to be drawn out of it, are falsifiers and forgers in a thing that is more worth than all the world." For here the case concerneth the ratifying of the things that have been purchased us by the death and passion of the Son of God, as hath been declared already. Furthermore, let us mark also that St. Paul speaketh of the word that is full of instruction and edifieth our faith. For the pronouncing of some words is not enough, as if a man should say, I baptize thee in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, and think that the virtue and power of baptism were enclosed in those words. It were an abuse, and truly it could not serve us but for charm and enchantment. But the word is the promise whereby our Lord Jesus Christ hath told us that he is verily given us to be our righteousness, to the end that all our sins should be covered and buried in his obedience, and all our spots washed away by his cleanness. Therefore, when we have once this promise and know what things are brought us by the only Son of God, then is the water matched with the word. And we ought so much the more to note this, because we see how St. Paul saith in another place to Timothy that not even our meat and drink can be sanctified but by the word. True it is that bread, wine, water, and all other things are pure in respect of their creation by God, howbeit we cannot use them without turning them to uncleanness, and without committing a felony against God, but by his word, saith he, whereby all things are made holy unto us. And how is that? by teaching us that God showeth himself to be our Father, in having a care of us to maintain us and feed us, and also by telling us that all these things are given us, to the intent that by using his liberality, first we should be provoked to serve and honour him, and to be ravished in love of him, and secondly be confirmed in the hope of the heritage that is promised us, 
Foreseeing he makes us feel his goodness aforehand in this world, it is certain that when we come to the glory whereunto he calleth us, we shall then have our fill of the good things, whereof there is but some little taste showed us as yet. Ye see, then, that all the benefits which we receive for the body are made holy by the word, and what shall be done, then, in things concerning the everlasting salvation of our souls? Is it not much more reason that they should be sanctified by the same word? Now then, to be short, we see that the papists are destitute of the power of the sacraments through their own misbelief, because they have robbed our Lord Jesus Christ of his power and virtue, and conveyed over his prerogative unto corruption and dead things. And therefore God hath so blinded them through his rightful vengeance, that they think themselves to have the sacraments still, but yet notwithstanding without the word. As, for example, indeed in baptizing they mumble enough, and they make their conjurations and charms and all in an unknown language, but yet is their speaking rather to the devil than to the godfathers and godmothers that are there to answer for the teaching of the child and for the common instruction of the whole church. To be short, in popish baptism there is not the word, and therefore, as much as in them lieth, they have abolished baptism. Yet notwithstanding God hath not suffered the remembrance of his goodness to be utterly put away, like as in the time of the law, although the priests were idolaters and had preached false doctrine, and had imbued the simple people with many errors and false opinions, yet notwithstanding, circumcision was not changed in the time of Hezekiah and Josiah, when things were redressed, and God's service set in his right state. And why? Because it had been ordained of God, and it was not lawful to have taken the sign of his covenant utterly away but it behoved them to forsake all the incomes that had been put to by Satan's policy. Even so, say I now, that in the popedom there is not the word of God as in respect of those that pretend to minister the sacraments, and yet that we stick not to receive the thing that is witnessed unto us in baptism, though we were infected with much filthiness. But we must renounce the cream that was ministered unto us, and all the other wicked trash, and retain the pure institution of our Lord Jesus Christ. And furthermore, let us understand that our baptism, as we received it then, had been unavailable, nay, rather it had been a cursed treachery, if we had gone no further than so. And why? For we had been perverted, and we had falsified the ordinance of our Lord Jesus Christ. In like case is it with the supper. Of a truth there is no supper remaining nowadays in popery. For that which they call God's table is a flat mockage and reproach to the death and passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, because it is knit in inseparable bond with the Mass, and we know that the Mass is an utter renouncing of the sacrifice that was made by the Son of God. But howsoever the case stand, although they used some convenient resemblance to the institution of our Lord Jesus Christ, yet for all that they have not the word." For they mumble between the teeth in their consecrating, as they term it, of the spiritual sacrament, which they have perverted. For how do they use it? They prattle above the bread, and blow upon it, to change it into the body of Jesus Christ, at least to their seeming. Also they chatter over the chalice, and bear themselves on hand, that all is changed there, and that they have made such an alteration, as though they were able to create a new world. For it is much more to make a piece of bread to become the Son of God than to have created a whole world. But Satan hath so bewitched the papists that they believe they do all that. And by what power? Not of God's word. Howbeit, as I said, the word that St. Paul treateth of here is not a bare sound, but a teaching that edifieth our faith, so as we receive the promise that is made us there, and apply it to our use, to the end that in baptism the water may serve as a warrant of our spiritual washing. 
Also, when we receive the bread and the wine and the supper, it is an infallible pledge unto us that we be nourished with the very substance of the Son of God, so as his flesh is our meat and his blood our drink. Ye see, then, that the word is requisite. As touching the huge and confused heap of things that the papists have in all their ceremonies, and especially as touching their five sacraments, which they have forged and framed of their own heads, there is no word of God at all in them. For what promise have they for their annealing, as they term it? No doubt, but they will devise enough of it. But where shall a man find any wit of it in the scripture? In the same plight are all the rest. As for marriage, it shall be treated of at another time, because St. Paul maketh mention of it anon after. Howsoever the world go, we see that the papists have falsified the sacraments, and they can as now receive no profit by them, because they have put the things asunder which God had knit together. So much the more, therefore, doth it stand us on hand to remember the thing that St. Paul telleth us here, that is to wit, that we be well washed in baptism. Accordingly, as Ananias saith to St. Paul, wash away thy sins. And how? By baptism. Verily even to show that the washing of us with the water which we see is not a vain or deceivable figure, but that Jesus Christ doth in very deed accomplish the thing which is showed before our faces. Therefore we must bear that well in mind, but yet is the word requisite therewithal, without the which all that men can set forth concerning ceremonies is but abuse and deceit, though it be countenanced with the name of God a hundred thousand times. Furthermore, St. Paul addeth that our Lord Jesus Christ's washing and cleansing of us is to set us as excellent and singularly beautiful before his own face. For the understanding hereof, let us note that we be washed not only through the forgiveness of our sins, when they come not to account before God, but also when we be renewed by the Holy Ghost to fight against all the temptations of the world, and to mortify the vices of our flesh, and all the froward affections whereunto we be too much wedded. Ye see then that it is a double grace which we receive of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is to wit, because he hath satisfied for us and discharged us of our debts, we come before God as righteous. For our sins are not laid to our charge, but we be reconciled freely, at leastwise as in respect of ourselves, albeit that it is by the ransom that Jesus Christ hath offered. Yet, notwithstanding, it is not meant that God will have us let alone still in our uncleanness, but that he intended also to draw us to him by his Holy Spirit. Therefore it was of necessity that the foresaid washing would be matched with regeneration. And that is the cause why St. Paul addeth now that Jesus Christ hath washed us to the end we should excel in beauty, yea, and be unblameable also before him. Now, whereas he setteth us forth to be honourable or glorious, for so doth the word which he useth import, he hath an eye back to the things which he treated of before concerning men and their wives. For now he goeth forward in treating of the spiritual wedlock that is between the Son of God and us, whereof he will speak yet more at length hereafter. Therefore, like as a man will love his wife when she is to his liking, so St. Paul telleth us in this text that the Son of God will like well of us if we wear the badges that he giveth us. That is to say, first, if upon the knowledge of our own wretchedness we humble ourselves to seek the pardon that he hath purchased us, to the end that, being quit at God's hand, we may call upon him with full trust. That is one point. Also that we be renewed by his power, 
so as we follow not our worldly lusts, nor give liberty to our wicked affections, but rather fight against ourselves and labor to put away more and more the things that we have of ourselves, that God may reign and live in us and we be governed by his Holy Spirit, so as our life may be nothing else but a yielding of obedience to his holy will. Ye see then what beauty will make us acceptable to the Son of God, namely, not the beauty that is adorned with corruptible deckings, but the beauty which cometh by being cleansed of all our stains through faith, and by being so sanctified by the Holy Ghost as we may live continually as new creatures. That, in effect, is the thing that we have to bear in mind. For where it is said that Jesus Christ has given us to be our redemption, St. Paul declareth therewithal how it is done, namely, because, saith he, he has given us to be our wisdom, righteousness, and holiness. And why to be our wisdom? That all our wits might rest upon him, and not wander from him one way nor other. Again he has given us to be our righteousness, to the intent there should not be any spot or wrinkle in us when we should appear before the face of our God, but that the blood of Jesus Christ should be sufficient uncorruptness for us. And he has given us for our sanctification or holiness, to the intent that we should be renewed by his Holy Spirit. And whosoever separateth these things, one from another, intendeth to rend Jesus Christ in pieces, as much as lieth in him. Now then, would we be partakers of the spiritual washing, whereof St. Paul treateth here? Let us look that we be holy, that we walk in pure conversation before God. Not that it can be done by our own power or cunning, but all is attributed here to Jesus Christ, and St. Paul showeth that it is his office to make us so excellent. For it is certain that when men will needs come to it with presumptuousness, they may well enforce themselves, and yet they shall be never the nearer. But as for us, we must only suffer our Lord Jesus Christ to work in us by his Holy Spirit, and by that means shall we be passing beautiful, that he may have delight in us. And for the same cause also doth he say that he may present unto himself a beautiful and glorious church, in saying so, he declareth that all the outward show and gay glistening which we can have to the worldward is but smoke, and that we must have a pureness of heart. He could have said, Our Lord Jesus Christ hath cleansed his church to the intent it should be pure and righteous, but he intended to express that our pureness or cleanness is not to please the sight of the world, that we may be praised and commended here below as hypocrites are, whom men gape and gaze at a great way off, clapping their hands at them and esteeming them holier than the angels but that it is much better for a man not to be so perceived, but to walk plainly, and if there be imperfections in him, to let them be known, and yet to hold on his full pace still, having the fear of God unfeignedly in him all the while. Wherefore, following this instruction of St. Paul's, let us learn to set ourselves in the presence of the Son of God, and when it cometh to the ordering of our life, let us look at him, knowing that either we must be allowed there, or else we gain nothing by being exalted and commended here beneath, though men have never so marvellous opinion of us, all, say I, shall be but mere vanity and leasing, till we have ruled and framed our life in such wise as we walk before the face of the Son of God, howbeit that in very deed nothing can be hidden from him. This is it that we have to remember further. Now when, as St. Paul saith, to the end that the church should be without spot or wrinkle and unrebukable in holiness, he meaneth not that this is accomplished and performed in us already, nor that it can be as long as we be compassed about with this body, for it is as a prison and a bondage, and we drag our shackles after us continually while we be here beneath, and although we have profited well in the fear of God, yet must we be fain to say always with St. Paul that we be held in a miserable bondage and cannot serve God but by halves, as you would say. Howbeit St. Paul meant also to show simply whereto we be called, to the intent we should hie us thitherward all the time of our life. 
Now then, what is the end of our redemption? Wherefore are we reconciled to God? Wherefore are we made clean by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ? Wherefore also are we sanctified and regenerated? It is to the intent we might in the end be unblameable before God. And what in this world? There will ever be much to be blamed and to be found fault with, but let us be contented that our sins shall not be laid to our charge, and this is well worth the noting because there were a sort of malicious and lewd heads in old time which surmised an angelical perfection in their brain, as though men might attain to a full and perfect righteousness in this world, and that was even an abolishing of the covenant that God hath made with us, wherein consisteth our salvation. For therein are two inseparable points, that is to wit, the forgiveness of sins and the new birth, as it is said in the seven and thirtieth of Ezekiel, in the thirteenth of Jeremiah, and in effect everywhere else. These things then cannot be put asunder, namely that God so receive and adopt us, as we need still to have our sins forgiven us, till we be rid quite clean of all earthly corruption, and again, that we must go forward daily in newness of life. But there are yet still of those devils incarnate, which would abolish the remission of sins, insomuch that they dare slander us so far as to say that we hold men still to their ABCs, when we make them believe that they must needs be sinners still. Nevertheless, it is certain that whosoever will be a Christian must needs be a sinner. This is strange at the first sight, but yet it is moved so as by the Holy Ghost. It is St. John that speaketh it, but the doctrine is God's. If we say, saith he, that we have no sin, we make God a liar, and his truth is not in us. Then if we imagine ourselves to be so holy that we have no more sin in us, shall God be a liar for our fancy's sake? Also, if we will be Christians, ought we not to be Christ's disciples? And if we be desirous to learn in his school, is not the manner of praying unto God his Father the principal point which he teacheth us? And what doth he show us there? Forgive us our offences. We beseech God daily to forgive us the great number of times which we do add one another. Now, if any man intend to raise out this petition of craving forgiveness of our faults, the same forsaketh the school of Jesus Christ. Then let us understand that in this world we cannot be without spot or wrinkle, but we must be cleansed by little and little, and the vices whereto we be given must be corrected by piecemeal until we come to the perfection that is spoken of in the first chapter. To be short, as long as we be in this world, forasmuch as we have so many sins and vices in us, let us be heedful in praying unto God to show himself always merciful towards us, and in bearing with us by forgiving our misdeeds. And yet, notwithstanding, let us therewithal take heart to fight against all our vices, and to yield ourselves obedient to our God, and let us use force and violence to subdue all our passions and lusts, until we have gotten the upper hand of evil, though we cease not to commit it. Although sin dwell in us, yet let it not reign in us. Thus ye see how we must day by day continue this exercise of presenting ourselves before God with all humility in beseeching him to pardon our offences, and yet notwithstanding profit more and more in the renewment that is spoken of here till we be wholly fashioned like to the righteousness and glory of our God. Now let us fall down before the majesty of our good God with acknowledgment of our faults, praying him to make us feel them more and more, that we may be sorry for them, and so strain ourselves to follow his service, as we may show by our deeds all our life long, that he hath not redeemed us in vain from the tyranny of Satan, and set us at liberty, even to serve him with a free will, and to give ourselves wholly to the glorifying of his holy name. 
and therewithal let us beseech him also to grant us the grace so to taste the benefits which he bestoweth upon us as they may provoke us more and more to glorify him and that it may be our continual exercise and study to sing and preach his praises always and to acknowledge how greatly we be bound and indebted unto him that by that means our lord jesus christ may so reign over us as we may be linked to him in inseparable bond until we come to the kingdom that he hath bought so dearly for us that it may please him to grant this grace not only to us but also to all people etc end of sermon 40